Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast with Kevin Harrington and Seth Green. Kevin Harrington is the inventor of the infomercial, one of the original sharks from the hit TV show Shark Tank, and has generated over $5 billion in TV and digital direct response sales. Seth Green is the world's first trusted authority on cutting-edge direct response marketing, a best-selling author, and the only three-time Marketer of the Year nominee. On the podcast, Kevin and Seth interview sharkpreneurs who share straight talk on what it takes to explode your business. Do you want to become insanely successful? Do you want to be the go-to guru in your industry? Do you want to be talked about for all the right reasons? For over 40 years, Kevin Harrington has helped people just like you become significant influencers. Now he's broken the process down in the key person of influence roadmap, and it's yours for free. Just text KPI to him at 727-888-2100. Text KPI to 727-888-2100 right now and claim your free step-by-step guide. Text KPI to 727-888-2100 to get the recognition you deserve and experience the success as the go-to voice everyone listens to in your industry today. Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast. This is your co-host, Seth Green, today here with Todd Palmer of Extra. ExtraordinaryAdvisors.com. Todd is the founder and president of Diversified Industrial Staffing, named by Inc. Magazine to the Inc. 5000, a record setting six times. We're going to talk about that and a whole lot else. Todd, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Happy to be here. All right, let's go back in time a little bit. How'd you get started? You know, um, I think it was from really, it was always where I was destined to go. I remember as a kid, I grew up in a small farming community. We had one grocery store and I used to go to the grocery store, stock up on all that my classmates favorite candies for a quarter this is a long long time ago and then i would take them to school and i'd sell them for 75 cents or a dollar and this was like in fifth or sixth grade so it started a long long time ago the reason i got into the staffing space was you know i had worked for other employers i had worked for other entrepreneurs and i just saw gaps in the marketplace that i really wanted to go after combined with i really felt there was an opportunity for me to make a mark and, and to go after a segment that was underserved. So it was a lot of different strategic reasons. But ultimately, I think it really comes down to I wasn't a very good employee. I had way too many ideas and too many opinions, which I think made it me a challenge to work with. Got it. So you were unemployable. So you started, a little bit at, at um, times. Yes, a little bit at times. As most entrepreneurs are, you started diversified international diversified staffing. And then obviously six years on the Inc. 5000 is an incredible accomplishment because you got to beat the own bar you set for yourself every single year. So tell us a little bit about how you, who you serve and how that company has grown so far so fast. Well, it's interesting. The, the Inc. list is a three-year rolling number. And so from, from our perspective, we had a good uh, you know, 10 to 12 year run, depending on how you look at it. But we wouldn't have had that run if we wouldn't have fallen down a lot too. We made a lot of mistakes as the leader, as the entrepreneur. I made a lot of mistakes. We started our Inc. 5000 run in either 2007 or 2008. But I can take taking you back in time. In 2006, we were $600,000 in debt. We were months away from running all of our money. And I was a single parent. I was going to lose my house. My kid was not feeling very secure. I hired a coach. I got more financial literate. I got and addressed my imposter syndrome in the itty bitty negative committee in my head. And I walked in in September 6th of 2000, September 9th of 2006, fired the entire company, started over 
And through that generation and that genesis figured out what niche we could go after. We got very niche focused. We figured out in that niche, there was an increased demand and a diminished supply. We could charge more for what we did. By able to, being able to charge more for what we did, we were able to get out of the debt faster and then that put us on that hockey stick uh, trajectory of growth. That is absolutely incredible. And obviously the longer version of that should probably be in a book if it isn't already. So what niche did you identify and how did you, pen- how, how did you penetrate and dominate that niche? Well, for us being in Detroit, Michigan, back in that time frame, Detroit was really known as the automotive capital of the world still. And there was a lot of manufacturing. The manufacturing had an increased demand and a diminished supply of skilled trades professionals. Everything from high, highly skilled welders to highly skilled machinists, quality professionals, all the whole nine yards. Today, the average American welder is 54 years old. It's a sector of the world that is going to you know, continue to get older and not younger. When you take a look at the overall scope of employment, where you've got you know, an older workforce and you've got the millennials supposedly coming in to replace them, even back in those days, you have Gen, you know, Gen X coming in to replace them. Those lower, those younger versions of the employment spectrum typically have a higher unemployment rate. So we figured that out. Like today, um, the unemployment rate is 3.5% overall. But if you go to the millennial category, it's 8.5%. So it's nearly three times greater for that space. So we figured that out. So we figured if we could get a, a, an up-and-coming machinist or an up-and-coming skilled trades professional, we would, we would flip the script. We would act essentially as a sports agent, market that person to a wide variety of clients. Because during the recession, even, we were making placements because we'd ask customers, hey, do you, do you need, what do you need in your shop? Well, you know, I don't need anybody. Uh, in fact, I've just laid a bunch of people off. Well, when things do come back and they will turn around, what kind of person will you need? Wow, if I could find a high-end um, Mazak Mazatrol live tooling machinist, I would take him. So really, you, so even if you, you know, even as you're bringing people back, he goes, oh, I would make room for that person on my team now. Oh, okay. So there's an increased demand and diminished supply, even in tough times. So then we, again, most recruiting companies focus on getting the job. We focused on getting the candidate first, reverse engineering them back into the marketplace. Okay, so you did something, obviously something incredibly smart there by working backwards and doing the opposite of what everybody else in the industry did, which obviously turned out to work really, really well for you. What were some of the lessons you, because it wasn't, I mean, you mentioned the hockey stick curve, but obviously there are bumps in that. What were some of the lessons you've learned along the way that have made you more successful now, but were painful at the time? Oh, gosh, that that, that could be a whole book in and of itself. It's... um... For me, it was first and foremost dealing with myself as the entrepreneur, CEO, leader. Um, when, I, when you suffer from impo- when I suffered from imposter syndrome, I would often see try something new, and if it didn't work the first time, I was a failure. And my identity grew through the business. If the business was doing great, I thought I was great. If the business was doing poor, or, poor, or awful, I was awful. And that's really not true. So the first thing I do is I had to address my internal dialogue. Then I had to create essentially a fail-forward culture where we could try a lot of different things. We try five or six things every week, keep the two or three that worked and reward those who tried the other two or three that didn't work by keeping them positively focused. Like, hey, you tried it, it didn't work, it's okay. Really, it was ultimately for me to arrive at that, you know, a, a, a failure, quote unquote, is nothing more than a learning opportunity. And in that, when we learn that we learned something that didn't work, something that did work and that keeps us on the path to success. The big challenge for me as a leader was to continue to drive that message home throughout the entire culture. And that just that consistent positive messaging and that 
let's try this today. And if it doesn't work, it's okay. It's not a reflection of you as the employee. That was really a big key component. Okay, that's an incredibly valuable lesson and makes a lot of sense. Given all of the success you've achieved, what's your biggest challenge now? You know, my biggest challenge now is um, I'm 51 years old. I've recently retired and I still have a lot more I want to accomplish. I'm working on my second book right now. And my, my biggest challenge is to live up to my why. 12 years ago, I worked with Simon Sinek before he even published his first book. And for two years, we worked on it to come up with two words. So now I'm, try, I'm going out into the marketplace, um, doing coaching and speaking, trying to help entrepreneurs grow the, themselves to grow their businesses and inside out model. And then walking that journey, create that life by design that they seek. And, and for me, that there's just, it's akin to parenting. When an entrepreneur has that light bulb moment where they make that breakthrough and to be part of that journey with them it is incredibly rewarding. And I just want more of it. That is beautiful. Now let's talk about some of the lessons. You talked about the fail forward culture. Obviously you had a tremendous amount of growth. How do you, that's a whole nother challenge all by itself. How do you manage hockey stick growth curve that you experienced? How do you deal with that? Because it's a great problem to have. It's still interesting. It, you know, it's, it, and that's really what entrepreneurship sometimes becomes, you know, swapping problems. I was $600,000 in debt. Now I've got rapid growth. They both, they both take cash. How do we work through that? A couple of things that I, I really worked through with the coach that I was using at the time was focus on margin over revenue. Revenue is great, but if it's you know, 2%, 3% margin, it's not worth doing. So we became very margin focused. Second thing is we stopped letting our clients dictate payment terms. In the staffing space during the late, late two, you know, 2007 to 2010, a lot of um, manufacturers in Detroit were using recruiting and staffing firms as the bank. And they were paying in 90-day terms. They were you know, cutting invoice percentage payments. It was, it was highly dysfunctional. And we simply said, we're, we, we're too small. We can't, we don't have a, you know, a vault of cash to be able to absorb this nonsense. So we simply just started saying no. And so we, we you know, focused on the margin. We got very clear on what we stood for in regards to our payables. And lastly, we really focused on the candidate journey and the candidate experience. We wouldn't place a candidate at a company just to make a quick buck. We really flipped this, the pyramid upside down on that. And we looked at ourselves as more of a dating service at times. You know, I've got a lonely candidate. I've got a lonely company. How do I put the two of them together? If I do a good job at making a good match, then I'm going to get paid. And I'm going to get paid what I'm worth in the timeline that's agreed upon. And we're going to focus more on them versus us, where a lot of recruiting firms at the time, and sometimes still do, they really focus on chasing the quick dollar. And we were just going to take more of a measured, profit-driven mindset. That makes a lot of sense. So uh, you mentioned the second book. Tell us about the first book first. So the first book I wrote uh, was, is really geared towards kids just getting out of high school or college and helping them find their first job. It's entitled The Job Search Process. And it's available on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. And the joy I really got out of that, I was going to speak at high schools and colleges and, and watching the kids, you know, I mean, they're kids. They're like, who's this old guy? What is he going right. to say? He's got nothing of value to add. You know, lots of skepticism. And watching them really recognize and realize that, holy cow, I can, I can really go out and find a job in six weeks or less. It's not going to be super complicated if I just follow this very, very methodical, very process-driven piece to get me where I need to go. And when kids, you know, nothing greater than getting a thank you email from some kid who got a job that, you, that I've never met, but to know that I've impacted them, it's incredibly rewarding. That's, that's awesome. And tell us about the second book. 
Okay, the second book is going to be out in September. It's going to be on the entrepreneurial journey. Uh, Working title right now is Human Capital, Complex to Simple, The Five Steps to to Grow Yourself and Grow Your Business. And it's going to be a lot of things we've talked about today. It's going to include the story of me getting out of debt. I've got a friend of mine uh, who started a company called 1-800-GOT-JUNK. Brian Scudamore is going to be in the book couple other people. And it's really going to be peeling back the onion of what the entrepreneurial journey is really like from a mindset perspective, as well as practical tools to, to get you unstuck. A lot of us, have, me you know, specifically, have been stuck in regards to what do we do? How do we get unstuck? What, what difficult decisions do we need to make? How do we set an upfront agreement with our employees, with our clients, so that those uncomfortable conversations are a little less comfortable versus me back in 06, 07, avoiding them, put my head in the sand, learned a lot. And, and I see that with the clients I work with, you know, simple things like hiring for DNA instead of resume works really well. Focusing on intention, not expectation of what a, a, a launch is going to look like. All these different things that we've learned over the course of time can really pay back in spades to, to someone who gets the book, reads the book, or sees me speak so that, really, so that they don't have to suffer like I did. Wow. So I can't wait for that book. I will say that in my own experience, there's no greater lab for growing yourself as a person than trying to grow a business. And the biggest leaps in our business, the hockey stick curves haven't come because even though as a marketing and a publishing firm, we haven't learned some whiz bang new technique. It was because I grew as a person, like who you want. My, one of my favorite quotes is who you are affects how well what you do works. And when Absolutely. you work on yourself, the business magically works better. So super excited to see that next book come out. Where can our folks who are watching and listening learn more about you and possibly get on a waiting list to get the book when it comes out? You know, the simplest place to reach out to me is just send me a quick email to Todd at ExtraordinaryAdvisors.com or go to my website to the contact us page. And anybody who mentions that they've seen me on your show today, Seth, I'm happy to give them a half hour of my time to talk about anything they want to talk about. I just had a guy call me the other day and we talked about parenting for 45 minutes because he realized that he was showing up poorly at home because he was doing poorly in his yep. business. We gave him a couple of tips. So really, you know, the, the work-life integration model of being an entrepreneur was something I really enjoyed talking with about. So if someone's interested, by all means, that please is, hit me up. I know I'm your time is incredibly valuable. That's a fantastic offer. I will be the first one to take you up on that. <laughs> um, so we greatly appreciate your time. Um, Todd with Extraordinary Advisors, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks everybody for watching or listening. We'll see you next time. And hopefully you take Todd up on his offer because I'm getting in line first. Do you need money to fund your idea, product, or service? Are you ready to take your business to the next level but need capital to get it done? Kevin Harrington has heard more than 50,000 pitches and knows how to help you make the perfect pitch to get the funding for your entrepreneurial dream. He's distilled the process down in his perfect pitch cheat sheet, and it's yours for free. Just text PITCH to him right now at 727-888-2100. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 right now and claim your free perfect pitch cheat sheet. Text pitch to 727-888-2100 to start funding your dream today. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.